Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm Father Jim Corda. Wineskins is a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of issues and topics, all from a Catholic perspective. Wineskins is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our program today, I will interview Tony Agnesi from the First Friday Club. We will also hear more information on St. Juliana, and today, as the Church celebrates the 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will get a deeper insight into those particular Sunday readings. That and more on Wineskins. Catholic Charities is an important part of the life of the Church and her members. To share with us an important issue is R.J. Mangan. Joining me today is R.J. Mangan, who is the Director of Peace and Justice for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome to Wineskins. Thank you so much, Father Corner. It's wonderful to be here. You know, R.J., I was so pleased uh, a year ago to know that Bishop Bonner created this department specifically for peace and justice. We know it's really kind of an umbrella for many other things that you are involved with, but it's important for us to focus on peace and justice. And why is that? Well, I mean, first and foremost, one of the inspiring quotes for me is Pope Paul VI, which is, if you want peace, work for justice. And fundamentally, this has been something that's been coming down since 1891, right? Starting with Rerum Novarum, Mm -hmm. but is built into a beautiful collection of teaching on how we can interact with society as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, That peace and justice are not simply ideals that are out in space, but there's something that are concrete and they're real. Uh, made up of real encounters between human beings and the institutions that surround them. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, one thing that comes to mind is that we all pray for peace, and yet we know we live in an unpeaceful world. We all pray for justice. We know that there's injustice. But why is it important for us to continue to pray for those virtues and ideals? Well, I mean, we can never forget the effectiveness of prayer, that it really is something that has an impact that can be forgotten at times. But the reason that we have to continue praying for it is one, to remind ourselves of what the goal is, but then also to beg God's help in these matters that, I mean, really you can't have a just society, the beloved community as Martin Luther King might call it, mm-hmm. without the love of God and without God's help in reaching it. In your position as Director of Peace and Justice, obviously there's other things that you do. What are some of those? So a couple of the things I do, I'm the diocesan director for the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. I'm the diocesan director for Catholic Relief Services, and then finally, coordinator of prison and jail ministry for the diocese. On top of the social action and advocacy piece, keeping up to date on national, local, and state legislation. But all of those are justice and peace issues. Absolutely. What can the folks that are with us do to get more involved in that aspect? First and foremost, we can't shy away from the world that's around us. We have to engage with it, and we have to put ourselves out there to encounter people, to educate ourselves with the teaching that has been passed down, not only from the popes, but also from our own bishops and the USCCB. And yes, it it takes a lot of self-education. It takes a lot of time to read, but there's also just the very real experience itself of going out and doing the corporal works of mercy, doing spiritual works of mercy. Those are the bread and butter of what peace and justice is. We know that many of the folks in the diocese engage in some of the ministries that you're part of, like prison ministry. Why is that so important? I mean, it's it's so important for the incarcerated particularly because of the fact that they find themselves in such isolation, in such despair for the many of them. I mean, really, I can't thank the work of people like Deacon Tim DeFrange and Deacon Bill Lambert 
you can Larry Pasco, and uh, I can keep going down the list, but it's bringing the love of God to those who need it the most. And it has nothing to do with what we say or do while we're there. It has everything to do with being there and being present and the people there knowing that someone cares. You know, there are a lot of ways that we as believers and as participants in the church can get involved. What are some simple ways that they can get involved? And what's some simple projects that they can do perhaps in their parish? There's actually a number of parish-based programs provided from Just Faith Ministries, which I'd highly recommend anybody wants to go to the website and check it out. They have a full Catholic section, a specifically Catholic section focused on Catholic social teaching. And actually, what does it mean to put, you know, justice in in faith into action? Like, how does that actually play out and bring in immersive experiences? So those are some wonderful programs, good examples. But also, I mean, very simply kind of getting involved with local organizations such as St. Vincent de Paul, Unites of Columbus, Your Third Order, Religious. Those are kind of some basic ways, at least I, I could think of off the top of my head. But then also not to be afraid to bring people together at the parish hall to discuss important topics and to attempt to, you know, converse about the problems of today. The only way that we can fix them is if, is if we talk about them. R.J. Mangan, Director of Peace and Justice for the Diocese of Youngstown and working closely with those social action agencies and Catholic charities, we thank you for the work that you've done this past year. We know that there's lots that needs to be done and that you are always open to the folks to volunteer, to give their time talent and their treasure to the church to continue these great virtues of peace and justice. Thank you so much. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. St. Giuliana Falconieri was born in Florence. To tell us more is Megan Farrell. She is a communication specialist for the Diocese of Youngstown. Giuliana Falconieri grew up among saints. Inspired by the holiness around her, Juliana decided to affiliate herself with the Servites as a nun. She added works of charity by going out into the streets of Florence, Italy, to help the sick, the helpless, and the abandoned. Because of her own struggle with sickness, St. Juliana became the patron of people suffering from any type of chronic illness. She was born into a wealthy family in Florence in 1270. When she was very young, her father died, and thus she was raised by her mother and an uncle named Alexis, who was one of the founders of the Servites. At the age of 15, Juliana refused her family's plan for marriage. She became a nun a year later, although she continued to live at home until 1304 when her mother died. Immediately thereafter, Juliana gathered together a group of women dedicated to prayer and good works. Later, she drew up a rule of life and was appointed superior of the group. Since her rule was approved by Pope Martin V 120 years later, she has continued to be the founder of the Servite Nuns. She died in 1341 at the age of 71 and was canonized by Pope Clement XII in 1737. Let us pray. O oh God, you gave St. Juliana solace in her last illness through the precious body of your divine Son. 
Grant that we too may be strengthened and comforted in our suffering and brought safely to our heavenly home. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Wineskins, this is Megan Farrell. Joining me now is Tony Agnese, who was recently at our First Friday Club. It's a pleasure to have you on Wineskins. Oh, it's great to be here, Father. You know, Wineskins has been a staple product on Living Red Radio uh, for all these years since we put the station on, I think some 15, 16 years ago now. Exactly. And Wineskins actually has been going on since 1983. Mm-hmm. So it's a great legacy, and I'm very honored to continue that and to have you as part of that well, now. And I'm honored to be on the program that I've listened to many, many times over well, the years. Thank you. I love the title of your presentation, Be Someone's Angel. It's really kind of a deep thing when you think about it, how we talk about guardian angels that we have as Catholics, Mm -hmm. but also being that person, that angel for someone. What is that all about? Well, everyone has the opportunity to be someone's angel. And I'll share a story from 35 years ago. The Community Pregnancy Center was a small little pregnancy center in Barberton, Ohio. And in the church bulletin, it published that they were completely out of infant formula. They had no infant Mm -hmm. formula. And I had a check from a speech that I had given. And I said to my wife, honey, I'm going to go to the Kroger's and I'm going to buy infant formula and bring it to this little pregnancy center. And so I went to the Kroger's, and the only thing I knew about infant formula was Similac with iron, because that's what my kids had when they were growing up. And it used to come liquid in cans before Uh they came out with the powder. And I had enough money for five cases of infant formula. So I got to the Kroger's, and they had four cases of Similac with iron. I loaded them into the cart, and I found a stock clerk, and I said, could you uh, get me some more Similac in the back room? He says, well, I'll check, see if we have any. He came back five minutes later. He didn't have any, but he had a case of infamil. And he said, hmm. I, I found this infamil. I said, well, threw it in the cart and I went. So I go to the little pregnancy center. It was in a little house on Worcester Avenue in Barberton. Mm-hmm. I go around back and park. And when I go to the back door, a little elderly volunteer meets me at the door and I say, I have some infant formula. And so she says, bring it in. So I carry two cases of the Similac up the steps and I go to the little table in this little kitchen mm-hmm. and there's an archway into the dining room. And that was the executive director's <laughs> office. And she was sitting there with a young woman. And the director looked at me and smiled, and I smiled back at her. And I went back to the car, and I got two more cases of Similac, and I brought them in. And uh, as I came up the steps, she spotted me. I spotted her. She smiled at me. I smiled at her, and I set down the Similac. Then I went out, and I brought in this case of Infamil. And when I got to the top of the steps, I looked at her. She looked at me. She smiled at me. I smiled at her. She stood straight up from her desk, came over to me, and said, Is that Infamil? I said, Yes, it is. And she says, The woman I'm talking to, her baby can only have infamil. Mm. Would you mind carrying it to her car? Guardian and I angel. said, sure, I'll carry it mm. to her car. So as I'm carrying it to her car, the director says to the woman, problem solved, an angel has just dropped off some mm. Similac. Mm-hmm. Now I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, Father. I've been called a lot of things. <laughs> angel had never been one of them. I've been involved with that pregnancy center now for 35 years. Mm-hmm. I do all their strategic mm-hmm. planning. We moved six years ago to a beautiful facility, 5,000 square foot in downtown Barberton on First Street. We have ultrasound and pregnancy testing and mothering classes mm-hmm. and formula and diapers and car seats and so forth. My wife sat on their board for 10 years, yeah. and all of that ministry began because 
she called me an angel. Mm -hmm. And you can have that experience as well. We're gonna, I'm going to share a bunch of stories sure. about that. You can have a life of predictable miracles. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about kind of the flip side to that. Mm -hmm. There are some people, maybe many people in our society, who are really reticent to be that guardian angel, to kind of come forward to help. Why are we like that sometimes? What's drawing us back or pulling us back? You know, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I'm going to answer it in two different ways. I was at a talk that, you know, the priest that cooks on TV, he mm -hmm. was feeding, and yeah. Dr. Ray Garendi was sitting next to me. My second book is entitled A Storyteller's Guide to Joyful Service, Turning Your Misery into Ministry. And uh, Ray said to me, uh, hey, uh, Tony, how's that second book selling? And I said, it's selling well, but not as good as the first. He said, I can tell you why. Why is that? Because you're talking about serving others go to the bookstore and there's a whole section on self-help and but there might be four books down at the end on mm -hmm. serving others people need to be asked to serve that's the other thing they sure. need to be asked they mm -hmm. need to be invited a lot of people are afraid to serve because they just don't think that they can do it yeah. you know and what you find out you know I, d I did jail ministry for 19 years and we had the woman that led it up was 82 years old at the sure. cleveland diocese ministry of incarceration sister rita who just retired ran that mm -hmm. and you know you'd say how could an 82 year old woman go in with you know with a bunch of criminals and easily they welcomed her and so forth. So it's very difficult to get people to be motivated. I have a little prayer that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it over the air. I haven't ever shared it over the air. It's what I call the trigger. And I pray it every morning after communion. Lord, make me an instrument. Put someone in my path today that you can help through me. I'll be your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, whatever it takes. I'll be open to it. I'll have my antenna up. Now, I tell people, don't pray that prayer unless you mean it, because it works every single day day. And it might be just a smile. It might be a prayer. You know, I, I saw a friend of mine at, at the grocery store who had lost his hair and so forth. I knew he was suffering from cancer. He came to me and he said, would you pray for me? And normally I would write it in my little book and I'd yeah. pray for him at night. I prayed. We <laughs> held each other's shoulders right in front of the frozen food counter and I mm -hmm. prayed for him. Mm -hmm. When people ask you to pray for him, pray for him right now right now and so the question is a good one why are people yeah. not willing to do that the second part of my book is turning your misery into ministry the best alcohol counselors i've ever met are reformed alcohol mm -hmm. it's the best drug counselor reformed. Mm -hmm. the guy giving a homeless man a pair of boots on the bridge was homeless once himself the woman visiting a cancer patient in the hospital is a cancer right. survival and what mm -hmm. they've learned is the worst thing you can go through in your life if you allow the lord to use it you know, the couple raising money for autistic children, have an autistic child. Take your misery and you can turn it into ministry. There's something that we all have inside of us that enables us to kind of reach out because we resonate with somebody. It's almost the same as going to a party. And if you're enjoying yourselves, you're going to join into that. If you're not enjoying yourself, you're going to pull back. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a two-way street when you think about it. It really is. But how does your broadcast ministry bring people in to this invitation, this greater invitation that ultimately we all have, that we all have to respond to? What I try to do with my ministry, a lot of ministries are speaking to the choir, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're, they're bringing them this deposited faith that's wonderful. I try to speak to those people who are searching, those people mm -hmm. who may, you know, the second largest denomination in America, in America is Catholics that are either non-practicing Catholics who have left the faith, to give them some hope and some reason 
reason to return mm -hmm. in that search, you know, that they have coming in. So I try to position my radio ministry that way. There are people a lot smarter than I, Father, who have a lot more training and a lot more degrees and so forth, who are much better at teaching the faith. What I'm doing is pure evangelization. It's passion, too. And thank you for that. We look forward to you next week on our show. We'll, we'll kind of pick up where we left off. But thank you for your ministry. It's so refreshing to have people in the broadcast ministry that have such a depth of faith, understanding, but also a willingness to share that. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more pertinent information and to listen to Wineskins, visit www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Christopher Minutes, thoughts on making every day count. Here's Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Major Charity Adams Early commanded the only all-black women's Army Corps unit to serve overseas in World War II. In 1996, she was finally honored for her wartime service. She said, students ask me, how did it feel to know you were making history? But you don't know you're making history when it's happening. I just wanted to do my job. Doing her job meant opposing segregation in the armed forces. In England, Major Adams refused Red Cross equipment for a segregated recreational center. Her battalion was eventually allowed to use the same recreational center as whites. My friends, each person can and should strive to overcome prejudice. We need to speak up, not only on our own behalf, but also for others, because that's doing your job as a human being. I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti of the Christophers Remember, you do make a difference. I am Marino. Je suis Marino. I am Marino. I believe that we are all connected to each other, and that it is the gift of compassion that unites us and makes us one. It doesn't matter what language, culture, or tradition we come from. We can share compassion wherever we are. Marino, an American Catholic organization of priests and brothers, has been reaching out to those in need for nearly 100 years in 26 countries throughout the world. Marinol dedicates 86 cents of every dollar donated to their programs, and with your help, they can do more. Missionaries, workers, volunteers, supporters, we are all Marinol. I am Marinol. Yo soy Marinol. I'm Father Mike, and I am Marinol. I am Marino. 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 Our song today is from the CD called I Will Sing. It is by Vince Ambrosetti. Sun will follow in its 
celebrate this 20th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we will hear more about the Sacred Scriptures by Deacon Ed Laubacher. He is from St. Paul Church in North Canton. Throughout human history, it seems as though people have always tried to separate or distinguish their group from others. We have often made it the haves versus the have-nots, the Jews versus the Samaritans, black versus white, educated versus non-educated, male versus female, north versus south, browns versus Steelers. Okay, well, maybe not that last one. Even Jesus viewed his original mission for the Israelites, and they were then to spread the message later. However, Christ was willing to adjust and compromise to show mercy and grace, as he did to this woman of great faith in our gospel. St. Paul states that, He glories in his ministry in order to make my race jealous and thus save some of them. He wanted the Israelites, the Jews, to become jealous of salvation, now being granted to those who forever had been labeled as Gentiles, and therefore not included in the salvation history. That through their jealousy, they too would embrace the message of the gospel. But Paul and the other apostles realized that Jesus died for all people. We are all sinners, we have all failed, and therefore we are all sheltered in his umbrella of grace. Yes, this means Republican or Democrat, gay or straight, and all the others that we put out there are in there according to Christ. But we are all called to observe what is right, do what is just, as our first reading tells us in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 1. In our modern lingo, this is often stated as, do the next right thing. We are to observe the situation, see what is the right action, and carry it out. Do the next right thing. And now we see Christ in the area of Tyre and Sidon, a predominantly Gentile region. The Jewish people would have viewed this area in somewhat disdain. According to Gordon Franz, the lesson is this. The Jews would have had an exclusive mentality caused by pride. 
one that says we're better than you economically, ethnically, physically, religiously, possibly leading to a prejudice which could lead to partiality and discrimination. This might be why the disciples asked Jesus to send this woman away as she continually calls after them. They are prejudiced who do not want to share their Lord with these people or this woman, who are clearly not deserving in their estimation. Christ, in a much more gentle fashion, reminds them all that the Messiah has come to the lost of Israel, but she is so persistent, so humble, and so filled with faith that she prevails in obtaining health. Her humility is evident in her persistence in begging for help for her daughter as she pays homage to Christ, and her faith is displayed in saying that she knows Christ has more than enough healing power than the Jews could ever use. That is the scrap, the leftovers, and it is plenty for her need. She knows there is more than enough healing power to go around from this Messiah. Jesus heals her daughter immediately, and this woman is quickly brought into the fold of the haves versus the have-nots. She is included. She is loved. She is accepted. We are given evidence that Christ, as expected, does the next right thing, and we see God deliver her deepest desire, the physical healing of her daughter, and without a doubt, the transformation of their souls as well. For Wineskins, I'm Deacon Ed Laubacher. We must build God's kingdom, which is one of unity. We must do all we can to tear down the walls that divide us. To do this, we must first identify with the stranger, the foreigner, the Canaanite. Then following the example of Christ, we should reach across that boundary and offer an example of God's love. Wineskins is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. It is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a beautiful week. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife, and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.